All right. Anyway, when I was uh, a young lad in the, I guess, middle school days, you could call it, um, I did not live with the responsibilities I have today as an adult now. I have the responsibility of going to college and actually going to class and doing my homework for those classes. Actually, it doesn't sound much different than uh, what high schoolers do. Um, but I also have to work. You know, I come here to Genoa to work, although I love my job. I love doing this with you guys. Um, and then I have to drive back and forth between places, and I have to uh, do different things on Cedarville campus when I'm back there. I have certain responsibilities, and back when I was a middle schooler, I would just sit at home and do nothing and play games. I don't know. I was homeschooled in middle school, so I, like, didn't do anything, basically. I'd be done by lunchtime for school and then just do nothing. Uh, it was kind of a sad time that I don't want to go back to. Um, but what would happen is the one thing I did have to do was do chores around the house. Anybody got a favorite chore? Like a chore that you just love doing? Yeah. What's your favorite chore? Sweeping. Like vacuuming? Sweeping? Because there's like sweeping and then there's sweeping. So this kind of sweeping is like the 21st century American first world problem sweeping. This is like sweeping, uh, like actually sweeping. Yeah, favorite chore, Abraham? Taking it. So you get to get a walk in, you know, get that exercise in. All right, Michigan fan. Vacuuming. You like vacuuming too? Awesome. What about a least favorite chore? What's like you hear this chore and you're like, ugh, like it makes you shrug. Cleaning the toilet? Yeah, dude, that's disgusting. Especially, especially after Zane's done, dude, you're just like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with this? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah, picking up dog poop. I never liked that one. Josh, go ahead. Washing the dishes. Dishes. Oh, no, not dishes. Yeah, rooster. Milking the cows. All right, does anybody here have to milk the cows? Anybody here? Blake, you don't, do you have cows? You don't have cows. You, you're, you're, you don't have cows. Cows. You don't have cows in your township. I know that. Josh, do you have to milk the cows? What's your least favorite chore then? That's not a chore. That's called doing your homework. <laughs> well, I also had chores to do, and what would happen is during the day, my mom uh, would go for errands, and my dad was at work, and so then she would come down the stairs and be ready to go, and I'd be like, yes, she's leaving, she's leaving. Now I get to play video games and eat junk food and do all this stuff, and yes, my day is going to be great. And then she would go, Alex, I have a list. Oh, no. The list. It would be a piece of paper. It would be filled out front to back, filled with all kinds of things. It's like microprint, so you can fit as many chores as possible on there. It would tell you what to do and what not to do. Like, don't use this to clean the toilet. Use this to clean the toilet. Like, that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's like, make sure you use something to pick up the dog poop. Don't use your bare hands. You know, that kind of stuff. Apparently, I was a really stupid middle schooler. Um, but she would have this list of chores, right? She would have this big list, and I would be like, oh my goodness, this is a huge list of chores. I'll never get this done. You're so mean to me. This is incredibly difficult. It's going to take me 10 hours to do this. And she'd be like, you're overreacting. It's going to take you five, like five minutes or an hour or whatever. It's not going to take long. And I would be like, no, it's going to take forever. I can't do this. Oh, my goodness, Mom, why are you doing this to me? Why have you forsaken me, oh, God? Like this, like I'm freaking out. And then she was like, get over it. She would leave, and then I would do the chores, and I'd be like, oh, this only took 30 minutes. Oh, we're good. Uh, so I would be done with it, and then 
you know, move on with my life. But at the time, I would be like, Mom, you're so mean to me. You're so mean. Why are you oppressing me like this? I feel trapped in this household to be a slave and do all these things. And she would just be like, you're an idiot. And she didn't actually call me an idiot. But, you know, she laughed at my innocence and naive self. Um, And then I would tell her, I would say, Mom, I can't wait until I have kids. And she's like, why? I'll be like, because then I get to tell them what to do, and I get to give them all the chores, and I get to make their life hard and be mean to them like you're being mean to me. And she's like, yeah, we'll see about that. Um, but So anyway, in a similar fashion, we see the, the nation of Israel in the time of which Amos is going to prophesy the word of the Lord to them. They were the ones originally that were actually oppressed. They were actually slaves in Egypt, and they were actually being killed uh, and worked to death. And then God frees them from Egypt and takes them into the promised land through the wilderness. And now, in this time of which Amos is preaching to them, Israel is a nation that is doing pretty well. They have economic prosperity. They have military security. uh, They have all that they could hope for. They have their desires and their wishes. But they have forgotten about who God is, and they've forgotten about what he has done for them. And so they then become the oppressors and sin against the Lord by hurting other people and by going against his word. And so we're going to see that here in this passage. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Amos chapter 2. Amos chapter 2. Who doesn't have a Bible? Raise your hand. If you don't have a Bible with you, then why is an incredible young man is going to get you a Bible? So I think we got, what, five, four, five? Raise your hands up high if you need a Bible. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like eight? Yeah, we do have that many Bibles. There probably, there could be some in the chairs and stuff. We definitely have more than eight Bibles. Um, yeah, Wyatt's got the big stack. Make sure you hold your hand up high. Keep it up there so Wyatt can see, so he can deliver your package, your prize, your wonderful possession here. Bibles. Turn to the book of Amos, chapter 2. The book of Amos is in the Old Testament. It is after the book of Hosea, after the book of Joel. It is actually right next to the book of Joel. It is after Psalms and all those major prophets. It's one of the minor prophets. Some call it the book of the twelve, the twelve prophets. Once you get there, once you get to Amos... Chapter 2, go ahead and stand. We're going to be in verses 6 through uh, 16, but we're going to go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. So go ahead and stand once you get to that. Only about half of us have gotten there so far. There we go. Getting a few more. Malachi, how you doing, man? I like uh, with some like decorations on your AirPods, dude. The little AirPod case. Is that like a case for the AirPods, or is it like just a sticker thing? I can't tell. Is a case for oh yeah that does that looks cool I like the uh, AirPod case all right we're all there we're pretty much all there let's go ahead and read Amos chapter two verses six through sixteen thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Israel and for four I will not turn away its punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals they pant after the dust of the earth which is on the head of the poor. And pervert the way of the humble. A man and his father go into the same girl to defile my holy name. They lie down by every altar on clothes taken in pledge. And drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. 
Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of cedars, and he was as strong as the oaks, yet I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. Also, it was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you forty years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is it not so, you children of Israel, says the Lord? But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets, saying, Do not prophesy. Behold, I am weighed down by you as a cart full of sheaves is weighed down. Therefore, flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not strengthen his power, nor shall the mighty deliver himself. He shall not stand who handles the bow. The swift of foot shall not escape, nor shall he, he who rides a horse deliver himself. The most courageous men of might shall flee naked in that day, says the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ability to comprehend, to have uh, a Bible in our language that has been worked over with hard scholarship, Lord. God, thank you for that gift, that blessing. Let us not take it for granted, but let us rely on you. Let us put our trust and hope in you because you are faithful and we are not. God, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Yummy water. All right. So, main idea of the text. God shows his faithfulness in the midst of his unfaithfulness. I just want to point out that uh, if you guys know who Anna Ginter is, she redid all of my writing because apparently my handwriting is terrible, um, which I think is true, um, unfortunately. But she has redone it all so that you can see properly, and she has also given you a note of encouragement. So, good luck on your first tests and exams or things like that. Um, so, anyway, with that being said, so we have the nation of Israel. They are in a good time. They, in the first chapter of Amos, have just been hearing about the other nations around them who are going to be conde- condemned. Uh, Amos said there are seven nations of which he is going to condemn, and he reads them all off in chapter 1, and Matt talked about uh, that last week. And then in this chapter now, you have the nation of Judah then being judged as the seventh nation. So Israel, all of their enemies around them are being judged by the wrath of God. And they're like, wow, this is awesome. This is sweet. And then they're like, Judah's going to be judged too. And that's south of them. And they have tensions going on because they just recently were in a war with each other. But now they're kind of at a time of just kind of ceasefire, peace kind of time. And Amos comes up from Judah speaking to, the, to Israel and saying, hey, Judah's going to get judged. And they're like, wow, this is like icing on the cake, dude. Our enemies are all going to be judged. And then Judah's going to be judged. It's going to be sweet. We're going to be doing awesome. We already have economic prosperity. We're already doing well with our military. Everything's going to be sweet. We are awesome and we are set. And then he talks about Israel and he says, Wait, guys, I forgot about one more. Uh, Israel, also going to get judged. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is, is wait a minute. You, you tricked us, Amos. Um, so I, I imagine they wouldn't be very excited once they got to this point. And so we see the sins of Israel being 
put out uh, in terms of words. You see in chapter 1 with the other nations, you see Amos talking about the sins of the other nations, and now he's going to talk about the sins of Israel. And so that leads to our first point, which is the unfaithfulness of... Guess? Israel, who said that? Yes, Abraham, well, they both said that. All right, Israel, speak loud with confidence, guys. All right, this is where everything goes south right here. Is that good enough? My L just kind of wavered there a little bit. Hey, thanks, Zane. All right, so the unfaithfulness of Israel. Look with me in the middle of verse 6. It says, I will not turn away its punishment, referring to Israel, because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. And they pant after the dust of the earth, which is on the head of the poor, and pervert the way of the humble. Greed. We have this desire for wealth, a desire for material possessions that Israel so longs for that they will step on other people around them to get to that. They will put other people down and sell their uh, other living people in order to have more money, in order to have more wealth, in order to have their material possessions because they think that gives them some sort of standing. They think that gives them some sort of credit. They think it gives them some sort of belonging because they have more. They think it satisfies them because they have more possessions. And so they will put others and even God down in order to have their wealth. We don't see it in exactly the same ways as in terms of selling people, um, but we can see a longing for desires of money and possessions and things like that today, surely. I mean, We've got our PlayStations. I've got my own PlayStation. I love my PlayStation. Yeah, get out, get out of here with your Xbox. And then there's the PC Master Race, people who stand on their own crowd. Um, Duke, you stand on the PC Master Race crowd? Is that what you're saying? Oh. 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 Rooster, I think we're going to have to talk about something here. Um, your kid doesn't know what good game stations are. No, I'm just kidding. All right, anyway. Um, we have our game stations. We got our, our shoes, uh, our clothes, those, those new threads. Do people say threads anymore? What do people say? Clothes? They say shoes or clothes? What do they just call clothes in general? <laughs> fly? Did I just hear fly? So, like, you looking, you looking fly? We've got, our, we've got our clothes. I mean, Matt Clark's looking pretty fly back there. He's got that vest going on. Mmm, men's warehouse. Let's go, baby. Yummy. I think he should show up next weekend with his Indochino vest. Because that... What? Mm, I don't know about that, dude. He looks pretty fit. I, I don't know, dude. I think you need to wrestle him and see how that goes. <laughs> don't, don't talk, Wyatt. Don't, you don't want to end up like your brother, dude. Your brother ended up on the ground in like five seconds. Um, we love our material possessions. We love our cars. We love our games. We love our clothes. We love our shoes, our hairstyles. We cut our hair. I'm not saying anything bad about having a good hairstyle. But my, my point in all that is, are we putting the value of our clothes, of our shoes, etc., over... God over other people around us? Are we throwing away 
our friendships and relationships because we want to look better than them or because we want to feel better than them with our material possessions. See, our unfaithfulness with our greed can often be a mirror image of what Israel's unfaithfulness was with their greed for their longing for material possessions. Then you see um, in the rest of verse 7 there, a man and his father go into the same girl to defile my holy name. Leviticus 18 talks about uh, sexual immorality of any sort being uh, kind of a defilement of the name of the Lord, a defilement of his holy name. I won't talk about this in detail because we have a young audience, but, you know, just be mindful of what you're looking at, uh, whether it be on the internet or around uh, other places. Be mindful of how you're thinking about the opposite gender, and uh, I won't go more into that, but you have Israel being unfaithful in their marriages, being unfaithful in how they conduct themselves, and in the same way that can happen to us as well, and we have to be mindful of that. Verse 8 says, They lie down by every altar on clothes taken in pledge, like a pledge to be a leader, a pledge to be a priest, a pledge to be someone uh, with, with authority is what that's talking about. It says, And drink uh, the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. Pride. You have these people, these leaders, these figures with authority being in the temple, being on the altars, which are meant to be used for sacrifices to the Lord God, and instead they're using them to do things like chill out and have wine and chill out and just uh, feel like that they're all that in a bag of chips and they have all the, the bolstering of their own confidence because they think that they are better than other people because they have some kind of power, because they have some kind of authority. That's a dangerous thing that we have to look out for, especially in positions of leadership. Uh, for, for myself and for Matt and for other leaders around the church, it's an incredibly sometimes difficult thing to understand that our pride can get the better of us sometimes. The, to remember that we are not better than other people because we speak up here, or because we play an instrument, or because whatever reason. Or beat a kid in a cornhole game, you know, I mean... We are better than you at cornhole, but, you know, I'm just, all right, anyway. But we have to be mindful that we're not putting ourselves and our own self-worth above those around us and above even God. Because the second we think that we can have it all, that we can accomplish it all on ourselves is when we fall, is when we uh, tumble down into our sin and tumble down into misery and then realizing that, wow, we've done goofed. We've done made a mistake. Uh, and so we have to be careful with our pride, just as Israel has been unfaithful in terms of their self-confidence and their pride. Because as we are unfaithful in what we do, God is much more faithful in what he does. He is ultimately faithful, so then we have the faithfulness of God. All right, here we go. Round two. Let's try this again. Let's see how this goes. Three letters, guys. Is that how's the D's kind of disproportionate? Should I do what I did? Should I should I write it in Greek again? I'll show you guys the Greek word for God, Hathaos. Too far. There you go. You know, whatever. Matt's like, yeah, I don't know about that theta, um, but yeah, there you go. You guys, you guys know Greek now. You guys are linguistic scholars, um, so. The faithfulness of God. 
Look with me uh, in verse 9. It says, Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of cedars, trees, uh, whose, uh, and he was as strong as the oaks, more trees. Uh, yet I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. So Israel had enemies before them when they were going into the promised land. They had enemies that were going up against them with military strength that was overwhelming to them. They would not have been able to defeat all of their enemies without the help of God. And God is saying, hey, I defeated those enemies for you, so much so that I uprooted them and cast them out so you did not have to deal with them anymore. He helped them to and basically carried them into the promised land by defeating their enemies and they're forgetting his faithfulness by not remembering what God has done for them. It continues in, in verse 10, And also it was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. So he brought them out of slavery, out of their misery in the land of Egypt, in order that he could lead them for years into the promised land. And then they get to the promised land and they forget about what God has done for their ancestors, for the promises that he has kept through Abraham. They forget about the faithfulness of God. And it continues in verse 11, I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is it not so, O you children of Israel, says the Lord? But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets, saying, Do not prophesy. And so behold, I am weighed down by you as a cart full of sheaves is weighted down. So God has raised them up as teachers and as uh, prophet, uh, prophets of God's word. He has given them his word for them to learn, to teach one another, and to follow. Yet they forget about the faithfulness of God and they reject the prophets. They give the Nazarites wine. The Nazarites were not supposed to have wine. Uh, they were barred from having wine, but they give it to them, and then they uh, reject the prophets because they did not want to listen to the word of God. They did not want to accept the faithfulness of God because they were unfaithful in his word. And so then you have this, this unfaithfulness coming from Israel, but yet God continues to fulfill his promises. Do we sometimes forget how God has been faithful to us and how he has blessed us? That's my question uh, from this point. Is uh, We live in a time, it could be even seen as a mirror image from uh, the nation of Israel to the nation of America, where we live in a time of economic prosperity. We're doing pretty well for ourselves. Well, we can have nice things like game stations and uh, clothes and cars and things like that. We live in a time where we don't have to worry about military threats coming against us. We don't have to worry about Canada trying to come down and invade us and try and destroy us or something. Not that they could, but we don't have to worry about that kind of thing. <laughs> Thank you, Ellen. <laughs> we don't have to worry about these things. We live in a pretty good time just as Israel is living. So then are we tempted to then forget about how God has been faithful to us, that he has provided us with the means to live in such a good society and to come and worship together in a church like this, to go to a school that... Uh, to learn in, about things, to have an education? Do we take that for granted because we are living in a good time, because we're just numb to it or we're used to it? Or are we praising God for his faithfulness and how he blesses us? And so then we get into the third, <coughs> third point. My, my the has been slightly erased. Oh, gosh. This is going to be... 
Okay, whatever. That's, that looks great. All right, anybody want to guess the blank of God? The what? No. We already talked about that. But good try. Yeah. Love? No. Judgment. I was going to give you guys a chance. All right. Some people complain that my capitalized J went underneath the line. So we're going to correct this. We're going to make this right. There we go. Boom. The G does go underneath the line. Mm. Boom. You can read that. Yes. What did you say? I, I was asked last service if I ever went to school. I think I need to ask you that same question. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. You did not go to school. You got a what? An F in reading. So that's why you couldn't read that. <laughs> yeah, so the judgment of God. Look with me in verse uh, 14. It says, Therefore, Flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not strengthen his power, nor shall the mighty deliver himself. Uh, he shall not stand who handles the bow. The swift of foot shall not escape, nor he who rides the horse deliver himself. The most courageous, of, uh, the most courageous men of might shall flee naked in that day, says the Lord. It doesn't matter who you are, what abilities, what gifts, what talents you have. No one will escape the judgment of God. No one will be able to escape what is coming in the end days, in that day of the Lord. When it says that, they, that the most courageous men of might shall flee naked in that day, it's talking about the day of judgment, the day of the last times. And so when we come before God, we're going to say, or God is going to ask us, uh, or we're going to give an account to God, I should say, of our life. And if God, uh, and if we have sin in us, if we have, uh, if we have a blemish in us, we will be cast out because we cannot be in the presence of God with sin. And so we understand that we are unfaithful, even though God has been faithful. And so therefore, in the judgment day, we shall be uh, condemned, or we should be condemned. Yet God, in his loving mercy, gave Jesus Christ. He gave the cross. He gave the blood of the perfect Son in order that we would not have to face the wrath of God, but to go before the throne of God and say, I am cleansed by the blood of Christ. I am righteous because of Jesus Christ and not by my own self. And so no matter who you are, you can't go before God as righteous by your own works, by your own deeds, by your own abilities, gifts, talents, materials, whatever. Everyone is equal before God by the cross. And so we have to then lean on the faithfulness of God. Because we are an, un we are an unfaithful people, we can't keep relying on ourselves to be faithful because we've proven ourselves to be unfaithful, as I erase my point. <coughs> but God is faithful, and we have to then rely on who he is and rely on his word and rely on what he has done through the cross. So my question to you is, do you live a life that is reliant on what you're doing? Do you live a life that is trying to 
make yourself right, trying to make yourself a faithful follower by doing better for yourself, by making yourself better, by uh, trying to be better by doing it yourself, or are you trying to become faithful by relying on him who is faithful? It's interesting. You can't, like, you can't rely on an empty battery to try and power a Wii remote. You have to rely on the battery that's filled with power. You have to rely on a fresh new battery, a clean battery, to, to put power into a Wii remote. I don't know why I just thought of that, but I just thought of that analogy. We can't rely on ourselves because we are dead in our unfaithfulness. We have to rely on God and who Christ is because he has made us alive. So my question is, are you living in the faithfulness of God or still trying to pursue your unfaithfulness just as Israel has been living in their unfaithfulness? And what we'll see is that Amos is going to tell them, hey, you guys are living in this unfaithfulness. You need to live in God and who he is and his faithfulness. So let's pray, and then we'll be done. We'll go to small groups. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for all these uh, guys and gals to uh, allowing them to come together and to let us worship you through music, through your word. God, help us to uh, rely on you and who you are, not to... uh, rely on our own unfaithfulness because uh, we are an unfaithful people, God, but to rely on the cross of Jesus Christ because in the midst of our unfaithfulness, you have been faithful. God, let us be encouraged with your word and let us put it on our hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.